Your girl is a homebody, so one of the best parts of the day for me is when I can come home, put on my comfy pajamas, get snuggled up on the couch, and enjoy something to drink while catching up on a TV show. The thing is, though, that I don't want to drink wine all the time because, though I love it, I'm no longer a huge wine drinker like I was back in the day. I have morning headaches and even inflammation to thank for that. So, to help fill that gap, I've been enjoying Recess Mood as a guilt-free way to unwind. Recess Mood really is a vibe y'all there are only 20 calories per serving no added sugar and it's infused with stuff i like including mood lifting magnesium and stress balancing adaptogens which really helps me to relax after a high energy day recess mood has four delicious flavors to choose from my personal fave is strawberry rose if one of your goals in 2024 is to drink less alcohol this is the way Give Recess Mood a try today and see how relaxed it helps you feel. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com forward slash self-care and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hey, y'all. What's going on? You're listening to the Brown Girl Self-Care Podcast. Thank you so much for pressing play on this episode. My name is Bree. I am the host of the show, and I'm also the founder of browngirlselfcare.com. This podcast is a safe space for black women where I uh, and a guest sometimes will talk about topics pertaining to our care, our well-being, our health, our happiness, our joy, our abundance, like everything self-care related is right here. Nothing's off the table. And again, it's for us. It is specifically for black women. So I want to go ahead and get into today's episode. I have two guests this week. Their names are Debbie and Alana. They are a mother-daughter dynamic duo. They run businesses together. They're best friends. They have like this amazing, amazing relationship. And I said, I got to have them on the show to learn their secrets. I got to learn their ways, okay? I got some unlearning to do and some reparenting to do. And so they're going to be sharing with us in this, this episode, like how they're able to be best friends. They also have like six core values of like what makes their relationship, show, excuse me, their relationship so great. Um, we're talking about sex in this episode. We're talking about parenting styles in this episode. Like literally nothing's off the table in this episode. Okay. Nothing's off the table. So you're going to laugh. You're going to think you're going to get some good nuggets. It's all here for you in part one and part two, which will drop tomorrow of this podcast so let's go ahead and just get right into it strap on your seatbelt, and here is part one of this episode again part two will go up tomorrow morning hello yes hello everybody so just so that you know this is deborah i'm alana and we are mother daughter best friends uh partners and co-ceos of rollock and key wealth management group nap nation app 
<laughs> yeah, on Google and, and iOS. And uh, we now have started our journey, our mother-daughter journey, uh, speaking to other mothers and daughters, just, to, you know, having a very casual conversation about mother-daughter relationships, because so many people have asked us that question, you know, how do you maintain a great friendship, a great mother-daughter relationship, and then still manage to run businesses together and not pull each other's hair out. So exactly. <laughs> so we were like, we need to do something to communicate to the masses. We need to connect with our women and let them know how we do it and let them know that it's possible. Exactly. Yeah. Debbie, I've known you for some time and Absolutely. you always have such a positive, we always have positive conversations around your relationship with your daughter, with Alana or your daughter and how you're able to build businesses together. Because for some of us in our community, that's just the thought of even building a relationship with your, with your mom, let alone even being able to be in the same room and interact with each other in a positive way. It can be mm-hmm. hard, real talk. This is like, this is going to be a no holds barred, real talk conversation. Okay. So I'm Absolutely. just going that plane <laughs> right off the <laughs> All right. But just to be able to do that, it, it's and, and I want to shift that story because I know that for every relationship that has that is just rooted in trauma and they can't seem to get over that hump. There's just been so much that has happened where, you know what I mean? You just do not. There's yes. just it, for every story like that, there is another story that is completely opposite. Uh, we have been able to work through and heal and 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 have conversations and build our relationships with our moms and our daughters, but we don't hear about that part. You know what I mean? It's exactly. it's always the, just the trauma story, and we leave it there, and that's it. We don't take it that next step. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely, and that's why it's so important what you're doing here with Brown Girls Self Care. You know, a lot of that healing takes place right here. And I'm so happy to be a part of this, you know, society and this community and this membership. I've been in this community over a year and it's been, you know, amazing to be able to have that safe space and to be able to have conversations and not have that judgment zone. You know what I mean? And that's that's critical. It's critical to your mental health. It's critical to to your healing. You know what I mean? So um, for and for us, you know, that's a big part of of our relationship, you know, just as, you know, just to start the story, so everybody knows where the story starts. You know, I was pregnant, I got pregnant with Alana at 18. So I had her at 19. So I was still basically a child when I had her, you know, just in college, I had to drop out of college in order to become a mom. But I knew that when I made the decision to become a mom, that A, I was going to be the best mom I could be. And I already set out in my mind as the child I was at that time, like, she was going to be my best friend and I was going to pour everything into her that I possibly could, that I was going to be the best mom that I could be. And so, uh, you know, just even starting out, you know, being so young, you know, I just wanted her to be with me all the time and to be able to pour into her everything I knew, which I thought I knew it all. But of course I was 18. I didn't really know a whole lot at the time. Exactly. And let me tell you, she definitely did for every single thing that she had into me and still does to this day. So this day, if there's something (laughs) she finds out, she's like, Alana, you have to, let me tell you what I learned today. Like that is how she is on a regular basis. 
So she's like, you can take the meat and leave the bone, but I'm going to tell you everything that I've learned. <laughs> but let me just say, I started doing that. I learned that at a young age because we had, we were very close to another family who was my godson, um, my godson's mom. And she was a young, beautiful mom. And she was as young as I was, little, but three years older than I was at the time, but she had three kids and she kept having these intense headaches. But all the while, even though she was sick, she would always like, teach her kids things. She would teach them how to cook. She was a single mom. She had three girls and, and my godson. She would teach them how to cook, teach them how to drive. You know, um, over the years that we've known her, her headaches became increasingly worse. So she decided that she would go get it checked out. She found out she had a tumor and the having the surgery would be like a 50-50 chance of survival. So with the kid, she was very concerned. She didn't want to take the chance, but the headaches got so bad that she finally decided that she was going to have the surgery. And when she made that decision, we were all so happy because it would leave her like these migraines would leave her in the dark, in the bed for days at times. And so when she finally went, she actually had a seizure in the waiting room to see the doctor to have the surgery scheduled and she passed away. And do you know that those children, those four children, and I think the oldest at the time was 14, they took care of all the bills, all the funeral arrangements, all of the, everything you could think of was taken care of by these, well, the three girls, because my godson was just a child at the time. But when I saw the way she had prepared these children, and she did not think she was going to pass. Nobody thought she was going to pass. We were devastated. But, you know, they eventually went to go live with her mom, what have you. But the, the, the lesson I took away from that was that any day, especially being a single mom, I could leave this earth. And how am I leaving my child? What does she know? What have I taught her? You know, it was so important to me to see the way that they conducted themselves through that experience. And I know it had to be so painful. And it was, it was, it was, you know, hard for all of us to get through, but until her parents could get here, the fact that they jumped in and immediately knew what to do and how to handle things and came together as a unit, that was all her. That was all Kimiko, you know what I mean? And what she had done important to those kids at such a young age. Sometimes we feel like it had, they have to be a certain age to be able to start teaching them things and pouring into them. And that's one thing about my parenting style is that I just, again, since, since I was a child having a child, I just started pouring into her immediately as a baby. And it's never too soon, not ever. And I had a lot of feedback from family and friends about the things I taught her when I taught her, like, why would you be teaching a child that age this or that? Because it's my child and I want her to know and I want her to know from me. And again, that experience let me know that it's never too soon. I, I love the fact that you were able, that, and you still do obviously, but you had the mindset of pouring into your daughter. And that's important for me to note because I think that sometimes some of us experience a parenting style where the parent they don't always want to give us the information because I guess sometimes it's seen as like, sometimes I think honestly, it's seen as like a threat or like a competition, which is unfortunate. Um, or when they want, or when they pour into us, it's not for our benefit necessarily. It's for um, just, uh, I guess, kind of a way to like control or just be controlling of their child. So mm. the fact that you had that mindset that I want to pour into my daughter as a way of just like life, life sustaining, you know what I mean? Yes. Um, at such a young age, at 18, 19 years old. 
uh, is like, to me, that's, that's huge. And I have to ask, what was, if you don't mind me asking, what was the parenting style that you experienced, Debbie, um, to allow you, <laughs> to allow you, and, and let's keep it real, whatever yeah, it is. Because you see, you know see, keep like, real, see us over here laughing. Let's keep it real, but because there's always, uh, when we have these experiences as daughters, um, there are lessons that we take away. There's always a lesson, no matter what the experience was, there's always a lesson that is either going to prompt you to, you know what, my mom did X, Y, Z, and I love that. And look at how it helped me to define my womanhood. I want to do that for my daughter and take it further. Or, you know what, my relationship with my mom was trash and I don't want to do these things. I want to be a better mom to my daughter. You know what I'm saying? I love that you said that. I love that you said that because we talk about traditions all the time and what we pass down from generation to generation. And I mean, just because it worked for your parents and they pass it down to you doesn't mean that's the same thing that's going to work for you passing down to your daughter or to your children. Mm -hmm. And so we believe in making new traditions. You know what I mean? You do not have to stick with what got passed down over the last 50 or 100 years. You have to do what works best for you. Exactly. Not to mention the fact that, you know, what works for your parents and your grandparents in their time, like, that's great. But you also have to keep in mind that times are moving forward. If you're so sediment, sedimentary and rigid in making sure that your child knows your traditions that you were raised up in, you're kind of introducing them to this new world as a dinosaur. Like, they have to have their own creativity and allow, you have to allow them to, to kind of just mold their own ideas along like of course teach them right from wrong teach them your morals you know but allow that to flourish in this new age because they're the ones what's being birthed from them is where your lineage is coming from so they have to be able to navigate that as well and you have to be able to give them some space with that but back to what Brie was saying yes um, parenting style yes parenting (laughs) style child Yes, yeah, so I it was like good answer, Debbie. <laughs> let's get back to what Brie had asked you a few minutes yes. ago. Yes. Okay, let's get back to that. So let's know well, let's talk about it, Debbie. Well, because I am a member of uh, Brown Girl Self-Care Society, of course, you know, my parents are 83 years old. They're adorable. They have been together forever since they're 15. And um, I've even, I think, flashed them on uh, on one of our meetings once or twice. And um, so they're amazing. They're still together. 60 years married. They just had their 60-year wedding anniversary. Absolutely. So they are a very cohesive unit. And um, so, yeah, that's... That was an interesting um, growing up with them and my, I have um, two sisters and a brother. So there were four of us. I had another brother, he's in London. That's a whole different story, but, uh, and I'm the baby. Yeah. So um, my parents were very strict. You know, my mom was the easygoing one and my dad was the very stern disciplined one. And they're both from Barbados. So they were, you know, anybody with West Indian parents, you already know, like, you <laughs> You know how it goes down, you know? So, um, yeah, very, 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 well, my dad was like, a, um, he, he worked in the, uh, like an offshoreman 
in Barbados, merchant marine is what they called him. So he was very militant, you know what I mean? And so, um, as I said, he was a disciplinarian, yeah. And I, as the youngest, I kind of was spared a lot of the, um, you know, the spankings and things of that nature. He was a little bit more, you know, he was too tired when it came around, (laughs) by the time I came around. So um, long story short, I mean, he was very, very stern when it came to, you know, character, morals, you know, um, you know, my parents are huge in volunteer efforts and philanthropy, both of them till this day, um, they're over like national networks of metropolitan ministry and different uh, chapters, national chapters here in Florida. So we grew up with that volunteering spirit, that giving spirit, you know, in the West Indies, um, a lot of people know that, you know, you could have food for your family and you'll go and take food next door to make sure your family, your neighbor's family can eat. So it's a lot more cohesive. And we, we are, you know, um, raised to really adore the elders, you know, to really sit at their feet and take their wisdom and, and care for them. And those are the kings and the queens of our community. So when we come here to the States, I'm not knocking the States, but it's a very different type of, you know, everything here is anti-aging, you know, and there's no such thing as anti-aging. I think we we're talking about the other day because you've never been this age and everything that you as you grow and you get older, it's all new. So there's nothing old about it. It's all new. We've never been this age. We've never been at this stage in our lives. And as we grow and learn and continue to be parents, you know, it's all new experience for us and for our kids, you know? So that had a lot to do with it. And of course, being a single parent, you know, Alana got a lot of the same parenting that I did because we were both being parented at the same time, you know? Um, but, uh, I, I think that has been a great, uh, they're, they've been a great role model for me. And while I love them and adore them, as I was, I go back to what we said previously, there are some things that I just will not be taking forward in terms of traditions. Um, a lot of the good traditions, you know, we're from Barbados, so the cuckoo and flying fish and all that good stuff and all the ackee and cassava and all the good food and the health tips, the elders, loving the elders and learning from that you know, um, healthy eating, um, because again, it's all holistic too. Sometimes some of the things that we put in our body can cause us to act and think and, and behave a certain way. So eating healthy and, and all of those things, which my parents stand by. My mom is 83. She still cooks three healthy meals a day, breakfast, lunch, dinner, home cooked, no McDonald's, none of that fast food every day, all her life is still happening to this day. So that's a great, you know, that's a great model to take from. But again, it's the old school model. It's the, you know, go to school, get your degree, you know, go to college, get a good job, you know, and as you know, that is not, you know, that has, that's what has happened. But as Alana says, as we move into a new age and a new time and a new stage, right, things are changing. You know, I don't want to be at a job for 40 years and retire and at 60 something or 70 something and have this much of my life left to live, have very little time to enjoy my parents, have very little time to enjoy, you know, my family, my siblings, my children. You know what I mean? So I think it's important that we do what makes us happy. It's all a part of the same self-care that we that we come to Brown Girls Self-Care for, you know, that's setting your boundaries and doing what's important for you. Absolutely. So what is your parenting style? What is what is your parenting style? And I was gonna say, Alana, you are spot on because, uh, and I think a lot of, 
it is important to take the traditions. I see she's already smiling, like she's about to tell us us something juicy, but it is about the traditions and the morals and the, you know, the positive things to carry on that lineage, you know, but I think that our, well, speaking of an, as an African-American born here, raised here, whatever, um, a lot of the traditions that we have are steeped in colonization. You know what I mean? A lot of mindsets are steeped in colonization. And um, so it is important for me as a black mom, repping black moms with my black mom t-shirt. <laughs> yes, that shirt is fine. <laughs> for me as a black mom to really be intentional and mindful about what I am pouring into my daughter what is it rooted in? Is it rooted in fear? Is it rooted in love? Is it rooted in uh, trauma? Is it rooted in whatever? You know what I mean? Being that's just the whole mindset of colonization. Is it is it being poured from a cup of just my experiences being under the white gaze or race being oppressed, marginal? You know all of that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because we carry that with us from what is the saying from like womb to womb or whatever. So I love that you said that, Alana. So I want to know, like, what is your parenting style? It's okay to be skeptical and to question things that don't quite sound true. Like the time that I was dating someone that was trying to earn cool points, so told me he liked every single TV show that I did, but then couldn't tell me any of the names of the characters on these shows he claimed to love. Like, seriously? If something seems too good to be true, do some digging before you invest your time, energy, or money. This is why when it comes to my health, I use Ritual because they know that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds our high standards. Their clinically backed essential for women 18 plus multivitamin has high quality traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. These multivitamins are gentle on my stomach and are so easy for me to take. It's crucial that I trust what I'm putting into my body, so I love that Rituals Essential for Women is USP verified, which is a huge deal. No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com forward slash self-care. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash self-care for 25% off. Okay, so what do Gail Anderson, Oprah Winfrey, and Big Boy have in common? These are three people in media who back in the day showed me that my dreams were possible. These visionaries paved the way for me to take a huge chance on myself by sharing my voice in the podcasting space. Black representation in media didn't happen by chance. We had to fight for the right to be heard, to be seen, to share our stories, and to take up space. Imagine if you could have some of the power, richness, and depth of the Black experience in one curated space. You can. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, and empowerment, as well as perspective of the culture in real time. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Conversations ranging from Abbott Elementary to mental health to Tracy Ellis Ross, there is no limit to the range you will find on Black Stories, Black Truths. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. 
That's a great question. From my perspective, okay, yeah. so like mom and I were speaking and I've, we narrowed it down to six things that we really feel is at the core of our relationship and really her parenting style. So the first one is a no judgment zone. Like we literally keep a no judgment zone. It is pretty much where my life is mine to live and she cannot live it for me. And she has an, she is very clear on that. I'm very clear on that. So it makes me really think through my decisions as well, because I'm very aware that whether, no matter whether I choose to or choose not to, I need to think of long-term what's going to, what's going to happen 10, 20, 30 years down the line from this decision and what's going to happen immediately from this decision. And am I okay with that? Right. So she's really instilled that in me for sure. Um, and vice versa. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I was number two or not, but I was going to no, go for it. How do you do that? How, like Debbie, you, you've already been down a road that Alana hasn't traveled yet. And same for me, I've been down a certain road that my daughter doesn't have yet the experience and the knowledge she hasn't gone. She hasn't had the same experiences that I've I've had yet that are potentially coming, you know, with growth and age, you start to, you know, whatever. So Mm -hmm. how do you, in your opinion, how do you get to a place where you're, you can separate the two because you already kind of know you know what I'm saying exactly but how do you love because it is Alana's life to live obviously yes. but you we have that foresight exactly so I'm just make sure this is the next one right mm-hmm. okay so I'm gonna probably jump ahead a little bit but a huge part of me being able to be in that no judgment zone is because I had to, I have two, like, as I said, I have two great parents and we cannot blame ourselves for the things that our children do. Me and my siblings did several different things that my parents did not approve of. We were out there living our life, figuring it out on our own and nobody could tell us anything. Right. And so I think that the fact that I had great parents that wanted all the best things for me and I still went out and they gave me the best resources and tools to work with. And I still stepped outside of that and did some nonsense along the way that they would never have condoned. And it's like, why? Because you didn't, you didn't really have to put yourself in those situations, but I had to live and learn. So at this point now I have, I'm going to jump ahead now because the next one that we were going to say is transparency. Um, I felt that it was so important for me to be transparent with transparent with her so that she would not necessarily make those same mistakes. Now, all children are not the same. And you can have one child that is going to take your word for it and say, I don't want no, I don't want no parts of that. Then you're going to have another one's like, I'm gonna have to live and learn. And I'll figure it out as I go. And that was me. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes, I, I, that's your story, but that's you, you know, I would handle it better, you know, so, <laughs> you have some of those hard headed ones. So I lived and I learned and, you know, my parents would always say, you know, you're going to get twice as much as you give us, you know, all these years, you're going to get it back twice as much. And, you know, and I was always horrified that I might just get it back twice as much. But unlike me, not unfortunately, but unlike me, Alana really took those things because, you know, where I, whereas I grew up a lot of my years in in Brooklyn, she grew up a lot of her years in Florida. So the street situation is not the same. So I have a lot of, I think that you need to be very, you know, intelligent academically, but there's a lot 
of uh, weight to be held on the street, on the street uh, smart, right? So I didn't want her to be in the streets to find those things out. So of course, I, I poured that stuff into her. And like she said, when I said I poured everything into her, everything I learned, everything I knew, I did. And I poured into her my mistakes and I poured into her the times when I thought I knew it all and I fell on my face. And I poured into her when um, I, you know, fell and couldn't get up and just felt, you know, was shameful, was guilty about things that I had done. Things that a lot of parents do not pour into their child, things that parents do not are not transparent about. A lot of my friends are like, she don't need to know that. She don't need to know that. But the, the point of the matter is that I, so they, I think they actually do. It, in my experiences, has helped me that she knows that because she then she understands who I am, and she realizes that some of the times when I tell her I don't have it all figured out, or I have these thoughts or these doubts or these insecurities, when I'm vulnerable and I talk to her on this level, then she can look at me and say, "Well, you know what? I I felt the same way, or I had those same thoughts." And then that connection, that alone brings about a bond and a trust. You know, you know what I'm saying? You want them to tell you everything, but until you get to this level, they're not going to tell you everything. They're just not because they just feel like, I know we want to show our best face and I'm this great parent and I have it all together and I got you. But, you know, that that sometimes can cause more damage, especially if you're you're playing the role that you have it all together and I got you. And then they see you doing things that are not in line with that role you're playing. And when you're not playing a role, then you don't have to worry about being in line because you're you all the time. You know what I mean? So I'm gonna let Alana speak a little bit more to that. Yes, for sure. I can honestly say because she was always so transparent with me and even from a young age, there's never been a time where I thought, she's not going to understand that. There's no way she's going to understand. I always thought whether she's been through it or hasn't been through it, she's been through something similar and she's been through enough experience to at least be able to give me some sound advice and direction on how I should proceed. So that I've always been like extremely grateful for, extremely grateful for. Um, and also, let me tell you, like, this woman, okay, as a, when you were a kid, right, and even to this day, like, there's going to be some things that you're going to go through, and you're like, I don't, oh my god, I'm about to tell my mother this, is she going to be able to handle this? But, like, okay, so side note, I lost my virginity, right? I, I wanted to be 18, and I was like, it's an adult decision. Is this going on the podcast? Okay. <laughs> okay, podcast series, this is real talk, okay? Broncos. <laughs> No, there's no judgment, no shame, no judgment. No. <laughs> so I was like, okay, like I want to be 18 and I feel like it's an adult decision. So, um, right. So I gave my boyfriend of like just over a year, my virginity. And then I came home and my mother was downstairs and I was just like, oh my God, like in my mind, I'm like, should I tell her? So I just go, mom, I had sex tonight. And she goes like this. <laughs> How was it? And I was just like, that woman's good. That woman's good. This is and not no, a black mama reaction. And I'm, sorry, no. I'm sorry to stereotype black mamas, but I'm doing it today. This is not a black mama reaction, okay? At no point has she ever like blown up 
freaked out on me ever. It's called ever. poker face, people. Poker face. The poker face. The poker I know face. inside you was dying, Debbie. Girl. <laughs> I was like, she's good, man. That little side turn was me getting it together. <laughs> she turned real slow, like. That side turn must have been the longest damn side turn <laughs> in the history. Like, I could just see it in slow-mo. It probably took, like, half an hour for Debbie to turn and be able to snatch it together. But I love the fact that you have this relationship where you both can be. That is, real talk, this is a relationship built on hella trust and confidence in in the foundation that yeah. you have because like I said I'm, I'm just going to keep it real I'm trying to imagine myself in and I and I, I have done my best in the last few years to really change how my parenting style is and but my daughter is 18 now I I hate to say this but I'm just being honest okay I don't know if I would have been able to have that same reaction now my daughter has told me some other stuff and I've in my mind, it was the same, like, what the hell's happening here? <laughs> but on the outside, you're like, okay, because you want them to be able to engage. So I'm like, okay, yes. oh, fine. But I don't know if I would have been able to have that same calm put together, just being able to not have that instant reaction. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And that's that I'm still working on. I, God ain't through with me yet because <laughs> I, I would have been able to have that same type of reaction so that's well to you know yes. and it takes work Bree. it takes work and and it, i just knew in my heart because i've seen it happen with other parents that if your child comes to you and they tell you something in confidence right because really and truly i think deep down it's a test sometimes maybe they don't know they're a little naive but kids are generally scared to say certain things to their parents anyway so i think it's a test that if i have the courage to tell her Will she have the courage to, you know, if I throw the ball, will she catch it? You know what I mean? I think it's kind of that type of thing, especially the first time that it happens. It's, it's kind of testing the waters. And I think that, you know, when you, if they say something and you blow up or you, you know, you just lose it or you burst out crying. I mean, that has happened. Burst out crying or you just, you know, go ham. Like you can't take that moment back. Like that, it, that's it. That's your chance to either take a moment, take a breath and remember that you were this age because that's what we tend to forget. Now we're all grown up. I, why would you do that? The same reason right, why right. you did it at their age, right? But you won't tell them that part. Um, so yeah, so you have to be really just take it in and understand the bigger picture because you always want them to tell you because if they're not telling you, they're telling someone and who knows, yeah. you know, if, they, if that person that they are confiding in has their best interest. Like, are they going to use that information against them? You know what I mean? So I always wanted to be the go-to person. I got you, you know, tell me whatever you, anything on your mind, you can tell me and I'm going to keep it real with you. And I, and I held true to that promise, but it was hard. There were, that was not the only time, but I've been but, asking questions <laughs> since I was young. I was the only child. I was very curious. And I was always like, I, like she said, she had, took me everywhere. So I was around adults adult, and yeah. adult conversation and you know I was able to keep things in perspective but when I needed to ask her a question she was like open and like let me tell you and she was transparent so it, it definitely helped to keep me grounded and I knew a lot more than my peers 
at a young age, you know, not just because she's my mom and I believe everything that she said, but because, you know, she's telling me from experience and I have, you know, I, I can trust what she says. So mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely beneficial. To but, work yeah. but let me just say too, and it's ironic because um, of course I had, I, I gave up my virginity before 18, obviously, because I was becoming a mom at 18. Um, but I was modeling and living in a grown up world. But at that particular time, um, even though I was still young and I, um, I was still young and I had that, um, that experience, I still wanted to make sure, you know, that we talked about things. So even before she had come to that point, we had had conversations about, well, when was the first, when did you give up yours? And how do you think I, because for a while we talked about, she really wanted not to give up her virginity until she got married. Mm -hmm. And now her boyfriend of a year was trying to marry her at 18, which I was like, that was something I was against. Like, yeah, but that's really too young. in, in my opinion, but again, no judgment. Uh, you know, she, she was against it. She really didn't let me know. She was just kind of like, "Are you?" She talked to him. I talked to him. She talked to him. I talked to him, and then he changed his mind. We're not gonna say why or whatever. You know, <laughs> he decided like he decided that it wasn't. It was. We time. still dated afterward. <laughs> he wasn't. She didn't scare him away. Yeah, here. great guy. <laughs> I loved him. I loved him. But we did speak about the fact like. Should she wait to marriage? When did I give my virginity up? How was that? How, did I did I speak to my mom? And crazy enough, I did the same thing with my mom. As soon as I did, as the first time I, you know, had that experience, I went and told my mom, and I could speak to her. So that too helped me in this experience, pulling from my own experience. You know, yeah. so I think that I just want to say to your defense, Bree, that's why I wasn't I didn't fall off my chair because we'd had these conversations. I love the young man she was dating. He was a great guy. Um, and I really thought that they would end up getting married one day. And all of these things played a factor. So I'm not just going to put it all on the poker face like I just had it all together, girl. No, 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 no. I get it. But I love the fact that you have that dynamic. I didn't have that dynamic when I was growing up. So for me, I'm I'm actively and have been actively been trying to um just be like not only reparent myself in some areas but also be the parent that I wish could have been for me um so I love the fact that you have that complete transparency you're able to have these conversations and you're able to like the Debbie that we see in the Alana that we see right now I have no doubt in my mind that off camera you know, on a Friday night, you guys are still the same Debbie and the same yes. Alana. Because <laughs> as it turns out for a lot of Black women, we experience parents, and, and this is no shade, I swear to you, but this is this is true. We experience parents that out in the streets, they're one way, but at home, they're another way. And so how can you trust a parent that when they're picking you up from school or they're grocery shopping with you, they're one way, you know, but when you get home, you know, there's the devil to pay because it is just a different environment, a different relationship. We cannot have these conversations. You don't know if there's going to be, based on what you say, some type of physical abuse, or if it's going to be like stonewalling where they're not speaking to you, or if if there's an, if some type of friction and they do something or say something harmful, there's no apologies anywhere in the mix. Like you just don't know what to expect. So how can a child open up in that type of environment? They can't, and they're not going to ever be 100%. And I'm not saying Alana, Alana may not be 100% honest with you because I do feel like, 
that sometimes we need to have some things to ourselves. You know what I'm yes. saying? Not that you're hiding it or lying about it, but you know, sometimes we have some things to ourselves and that's totally fine. But as Absolutely. far as like how your relationship is, there's no way in hell you can get to that kind of relationship if Debbie is not Debbie a hundred times, a hundred percent of the day. Right. I do agree with that. Um, I know that with our, the, like the next things that we had were respect and self-care. Okay. And I think that with both of those, like say my mother, like you said, different parenting style. Um, she was one that cared and valued my cared about and valued my opinion from very young. So I think we were, I think we moved down to Miami when I was about four or five mm-hmm. and we got an apartment <laughs> and she was like, you know, checking out the apartment. And she told the landlord, like, before I, you know, put any deposits down, let me check with my, my daughter. And she's like, Oh, how old is she? She's four. Like she cared about my opinion, you know, and being raised in that type of a uh, environment, I knew that what I had to say mattered, that I had value. And that brings you up in a different mindset. And on top of that, with self-care, like a person, like personally, I feel like if a person is one way in the street and another way at home, obviously they don't feel like how they truly are at home is presentable for the street. And I think that in and of itself is there's like what there's something inside that has to be worked on because ultimately outside of putting on the professional face for your job you know like it it shouldn't be you know who is this it's a complete mass a completely different person that I see at home versus out in the street especially when it comes to your child so I would say for sure there definitely has to be some type of um, self-care and some work that goes into that because just even on a normal basis, like we talk to each other, like my mother got me into um, effort, saying positive affirmations to myself at a young age, because realistically, you know, we're all every single day, it's new territory. Every year of life, it's a new territory. And you're going to experience something that you might not be sure of, that you have some doubts on. And maybe you're going to put yourself down because you didn't know the answer already, or because you feel like you should have done this rather than that. And we've really talked to ourselves. We talk down to ourselves a lot more than we really think we do. Um, And I think a lot of times we can do it with a look in the mirror. We don't even need to actually open our mouths, you know, if we're dissatisfied with something that we see or something that we've said, something that we've done in our past. And really, like you got to come to a point where you can work on whatever has gone on in your past, whatever was, whatever trauma that you're holding on to, you've got to be able to forgive yourself. It might not even be a sorry from somebody else or um, closure from some outside source. Like we have to know that we are enough and we are only giving power to that if we're refusing to move forward without that closure from the outside or without that sorry from the outside. So I think when we work on ourselves and that's one thing we're talking about is like not just pouring from our cup, but making sure that our cups are full and we pour from our saucers at all times in any area of life. So we're always working on ourselves to make sure that we're the best, like I'm the best Alana that I can be so I can be the best daughter. And she's working on herself so she's the best Deborah she can be and then she can be the best mom to me. All right. 
I am back. What did you think of part one of this episode? You got to hit me up at connect at browngirlselfcare.com and let me know what you think. This episode was really good. Um, I'll, I'll save my final thoughts for part two of the episode that is going to be uploaded tomorrow morning. But in the meantime, like I said, make sure that you hit me up at connect at browngirlselfcare.com and let me know what you think so far of um, this episode. And with that said, I will see you tomorrow for part two of the continuation of this conversation.